This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. to the voice of leadership and to Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. Happy Hanukkah. That's what we're talking about today. And I have two very special guests with me talking about Hanukkah and its meaning. So let me tell you about my special guest. My special guests are Chad and Laurel Barr, a husband and wife team. Laurel Roebuck Barr, one of four children, was born and raised on the east side of Cleveland. Music and Jewish education were the focus of their lives. Even today, her focus is centered on serving the Jewish community here and around the country. Every Friday afternoon at elementary school, before rushing home to help prepare for Shabbat with Grandma Sarah, who lived with the family, Laurel performed piano duets with her brother, Alan Roebuck, who is now a cantor in Orlando, Florida. As a young adult musician, she was selected to perform starring roles in Gilbert and Sullivan's Mikado and HMS Pinafore, as well as entertaining at Kane Park Summer Theater's productions of Celebration, Harry Chapin Revival, Finian's Rainbow, and Fiddler on the Roof. Laurel entered Carnegie Mellon's University in 1975 and finished her studies at the renowned Cleveland Institute of Music. Upon graduation, she joined the faculty of the Cleveland Music School Settlement. It was during the summer of 1977 at Camp Wise in Chardon, Ohio, when Laurel met her future husband, Chad Barr, the musical emissary from Israel. Chad had just completed his mandatory Israeli army service and arrived to bring the spirit, culture, and music of Israel to the camp. Chad Barr is the president of the Chad Barr Group, a global organization with clients in the UK, Italy, Germany, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and across the United States. His firm is recognized as one of the leading strategic internet development organizations in the world. Chad devotes his time to writing, coaching, consulting, speaking, and leading the Chad Bar Group. He is a prolific writer about the web, marketing, and business strategy. He's published hundreds of articles and several books that teach how to leverage the web to build your brand and transform your business. Chad and Laurel were married in 1979 and raised two children, Sharon, who's now a rabbi, and Jacob, an entrepreneur. They are the proud grandparents of Daphna, Liav, Hadar, and Bentley. After years of study and apprenticeship, Laurel was invited to become the full-time cantor at Temple Emmanuel in Cleveland with Rabbi Daniel Roberts. In addition to leading worship services, teaching, and preparing B'nai Mitzvah students, she, with other cantors, performed in and organized concerts and special Jewish musical events for the community. 
Laurel and Chad continue to serve the community in worship. Laurel officiates at all life cycle events for the Jewish community and has created an interactive educational program called the Playground for Young Learners. It gives Chad and Laurel great joy to create special experiences and friendships while uplifting the spirits, souls, and hearts of many through technology, music, and prayer. So it's my great pleasure and honor to welcome to the show, Chad and Laurel Barr. Great to be here with you, Karen. I could listen thank to you, you all day long. That was quite the intro. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I just realized I probably butchered a few names. So hopefully- you Got them all right. Oh, that's amazing. So thank you again for being here. I'm so delighted that you're my guest. And before we get into talking about Hanukkah, because we're really going to spend some time on Hanukkah as well, I want to start with the two of you and ask something about your life and your history. So my first question to you is this. Tell us about your meeting at Camp Wise. How did your courtship emerge and how was it that you selected one another? You know, I just finished my military service, as you articulate in the bio presentation. And a friend of mine said, you know, they're looking for representatives to go to uh, summer camps in the U.S. At that time, Israel was sending about 400 representatives all over the U.S. and Canada. And today, it's more like possibly 4,000. It was my dream to always make it to the U.S. one day. And what a great opportunity. So I went to audition in Jerusalem. And the guy said to me after the audition, you accepted. Uh, you'll be on the plane uh, shortly thereafter. And I said to him, uh, where are you sending me? And he said, in a typical Israeli, <laughs> enter this beautiful place by the lakes called Cleveland, Ohio. Never heard of Cleveland, Ohio. So I remember asking him, how far is that from New York? And he said, it's pretty close. It's about two fingers on the map. Anyway, <laughs> I got to Cleveland to represent both the country and the music. The first thing off the plane, I noticed this beautiful lady sitting there, and I'll let you continue, honey. That's a good place to stop. <laughs> yes, on the beautiful lady part. There you go. So I was the music director of this summer camp. It was a Jewish summer camp. And this young man uh, who was very long hair, very long hair, uh, beard, he had a pouch on his neck with the Psalms. And I thought, well, this is a nice Jewish boy. My parents will be very happy. And he got off the plane, like he said, and he came out to the camp and he was still wearing like army fatigue colors and he was wearing a man purse. Okay. This was in the seventies. This was not cool yet. And I'm like, oh boy. And he didn't really speak any English. He knew a few words in English and um, I spoke Hebrew. So that worked out well. And we started to talk and chat and I don't think we liked each other very much at the beginning. Well, we decided to compromise, so we decided to get married. Yeah, there you go. But we had <laughs> we had to work together a lot. And then we started, you know, talking more and, and getting closer. And whenever they couldn't find him in the camp, they would come to say, you know, where's Chad? Where's Chad? I'm like, I'm not I'm not in charge of him. I don't know where he went. So we worked together all summer and we taught the kids and we did some shows together. And then he stayed just a month later and went back to Israel for the year and fought in the first incursion from Lebanon into Israel. So when we couldn't speak back then, because every phone call was $3 a minute. So I wrote lots and lots of letters. We did speak one time during the year when the Egyptian president Sadat came to make peace. And it was a very exciting time for me and for all of us. One of the things I love about the story is I'm hearing a preparation. And what I mean by preparation 
Laurel, you already knew Hebrew, so you would be able to speak to your future husband who didn't speak English. You guys had to spend some time working together first before you even decided that you really liked each other well enough to get married. This is true. And that's good. That's a great recipe. Work together, do something productive for someone else and let the love develop and emerge. So I love that part of your story. So let me ask this, Chad, what was it like for you just briefly growing up in Israel? I was born in this beautiful city in the northern part of Israel called Tzfat. It was known as more of the artist colony at that time, today more of a spiritual city. And my parents, because of their work arrangement, moved around the country a couple of times. So from Tzfat, we moved to a place all the way in the south of Israel called Eilat. And then they ended up in a suburb of Haifa, where I grew up most of my life. It was a great upbringing, great friends and great families, great celebrations of holidays. I know we'll talk about Hanukkah today. My parents always focus on raising us with great values and be focused on education, but also music was very important. So I remember from very early days in my life, and I know in, in Laurel's life as well, we started the music education. I started actually playing the accordion, and then several years later, my main instrument became the guitar, which I always had the dream of becoming a rock star guitarist, but somehow life had different plans for me. And I ended up focusing on technology, computers, the web, and so on and so forth. But growing up in Israel was an amazing upbringing, amazing stories, and amazing history. So how is it that you guys decided then to live in the United States as opposed to going to Israel together and living there? <laughs> I'll, I'll pick that one up. So I always wanted to live in Israel. And I was raised in a home at the age and the time where we didn't debate anything. It was because my parents said so. That's what we did. And we didn't have any options. We didn't have brownies and Girl Scouts. What we did was piano lessons in Hebrew school every day of the week. So when I was 16, I was in Hebrew school. I came home. I said, I'd like to go to Israel for a visit. And my parents immediately signed me up and I flew to Israel when I was 16, 1972, I believe, 1973. And my first time on an airplane, I flew across the world and I loved Israel. I was there for seven weeks. I studied and traveled and I said, I want to live there. And when I met Chad, I said, this is going to be my ticket out. <laughs> and the ticket was non-refundable and I did not get to live in Israel, although I, I always dream of living there. I really do. There's a whole different kind of atmosphere living there. As a Jew, it's, it's a completely different thing. You know the Sabbath is coming. The world comes to a stop. It gets quiet. It was something I always dreamed of. I, I can still do that, I think, one day. Can I? Perhaps. Okay. <laughs> That's perhaps. We're, so, we're making so, some new announcement tonight, Karen. <laughs> we're making some new announcement. Okay. So, so, Chad, why did you decide to stay in the U.S. instead of going back to Israel? No, it was uh, a time I just finished my um, computer science education, was looking for a job. And for about five or so weeks, we actually were debating whether we're going to stay here or go back to Israel. And just a new job landed on my doorsteps. And I started as a computer software developer. And somehow life had different plans for us to stay in the U.S. Okay, fantastic. So, Laura, one other question I want to ask you, uh, something from the bio. You mentioned that you started sort of a, a program or process called Prayer Ground for Young Learners. Tell us a little bit about that. That sounds interesting. Yes, the, the program is called Prayer Ground, and I found that students today have so many things pulling them in so many different directions, especially for the boys, the sports. 
They play sports every day after school. They play in the evenings. They have tournaments. They're all summer long. And also with the with the girls that they're very busy with extracurricular. So I tried to create a program where we can do more hands on even through Skyping, FaceTime, but it's more of a hands-on learning program. It's mostly for bar mitzvah age, 10, 12, that age group that starts to come on and then at 13 become bar mitzvah. Are they actually praying on this uh, platform? Well, they learn the prayers. They learn Hebrew. They prepare for a bar mitzvah. They learn the Bible. They learn to read from the Bible, which is interesting because we're the only people, the only religion now that reads it from its original text in the scroll. So it's a difficult task and we do it. We get them to read from the actual scroll. So I guess that's why you have to go to Hebrew school every day. (laughs) That is correct. But now it's down to once a week. Kids just are too busy. You know, it's funny because I remember, you may not know this, Laurel, but I grew up in Baltimore in a Jewish community and I went to Jewish schools. And so all of my classmates, they would go to Hebrew school every day too. So I remember those days. And on the Jewish holidays, we celebrated the holidays at school, the songs and did all of that. So I certainly remember it and remember enjoying just learning about the culture and the religion as well. So let's jump right a little bit into Hanukkah. And what is the meaning and history of the Hanukkah holiday? I know it's a long story. Give us the Cliff Notes version. Well, the Cliff Notes version is we fought, we won, now we eat. (laughs) That's really the Cliff Notes. Maybe fill in a little bit more. (laughs) Very Cliff Notes. So back in ancient times when the Jews were not allowed to study the Bible, And the Greeks came and took over the temple in Jerusalem. They spilled pig's blood. They knocked everything over. They they destroyed it basically on the inside and desecrated it. And they gave us an ultimatum. Convert, pray to our gods, do not pray to your God. End circumcision, which of course is a covenantal in Judaism. And all will be well. And of course, the Jews were not willing to accept that. And a very small army led by Judah Maccabee, they fought this gigantic army and they overpowered them and they won. And Hanukkah actually means dedication. So what we did was we rededicated the temple at that time. We cleaned it up, we uprighted everything. And the story is the little miracle of the oil. And I can go into that if you'd like. Yes, please tell that because that's the heart of the story. That's the heart of the story. So we don't like to be known as a military people. We don't like to be known as fighters. And so we, we, we downplay that aspect of that military fight. We have what's called in their tamid, an everlasting light in the sanctuary, in every synagogue. Today, they're usually light bulbs, but back then, of course, it was oil. And when we came back into the temple, we could only find a very small jug of oil. It was supposed to last just for one day. And the miracle of the holiday is that it lasted for eight days. Therefore, the holiday of Hanukkah lasts for eight days. It's about lighting up the night and lighting up the darkness and being a light unto the nations. Oh, yeah, that's phenomenal. Yes, lighting up the dark and being a light to the nations. And of course, we know that really that was God's, I'd say, charge and call to the Jewish people is to be a light for the nations and to be the one through whom the Messiah would come and to preserve the word of God, all of that. So that's just really wonderful. So how then is Hanukkah celebrated today? What are the rituals? What are the observances of Hanukkah? What happens in today's celebration? Hanukkah is a very minor holiday in Judaism. You will not read about it in any of our writings or any of our scripture. 
it's from the book of Maccabees, Maccabees 1 and 2, which we do not incorporate in our Jewish Bible. So I think that's very interesting. And it's considered a minor holiday, but it's become a major holiday because it comes in the middle of the winter, right around Christmas time. So the gift giving became a part of it, although it's not really a part of it. So it's a minor holiday and it's a home holiday because we celebrate it with lighting candles. Now, there were two rabbis in ancient times, Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai, and they used to argue all the time. So Rabbi Hillel said we should light the first candle the first night and each night add a candle till we have eight nights. And Rabbi Shammai said, no, 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 because it lasted eight nights. You start with eight candles and each night you'll light one less. And so, of course, Rabbi Hillel won, and he said, no, no, we increase our light, we increase our joy. We don't want to ever diminish our joy. So he won out, and as the holiday is now, we light the first candle the first night, and we increase the lights up through eight nights. We play a game called dreidel, which is what has the Hebrew letters, and um, you win some money. We have that game. We have chocolate gelt, which is chocolate coins. We used to get gifts of actual coins, which I don't know if people do that still today, but it's really about eating greasy, greasy foods. Mm. Uh, to celebrate the oil, we eat uh, potato pancakes called potato latkes, lots of oil, and we eat what's called sufganiot, which are jelly donuts, deep fried in oil. I mean, it is, it's a greasy holiday. And by the way, in Israel, it's a very special time, the holiday of Hanukkah. But if you walk downtown Haifa, downtown Tel Aviv, or any city in Israel, the smell of the sufganiyot, those jelly donuts and different flavors as well, not just jelly. It's just amazing. It is so tempting to just walk the streets and you to can, try to resist. And them. in the windows, you see their works of art. It's not like a jelly donut from uh, Amy Joy here or Duncan. It is, they're covered with creams and decorations and Oh, my God, they're unbelievable. They're they're literally works of art. So it's a very big holiday there as far as lights everywhere, lights, lights, lights. And we light our Hanukkah menorah with the candles and we place them in the window because we're not afraid of our heritage. We're not afraid of our Judaism. And we want to light, be a light to the world. So we always light our candles and put them on a table right by the window so everybody can see them from the streets. That's phenomenal. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the dreidels and the gelt, because I remember that from my own childhood at school, the dreidels. And also I see in the store, even today, they have the chocolate coins, <laughs> you know, the chocolate coins yes, that a yes. lot of the children would get and things yes. like that. It just brings back a lot of good memories as well. What does Hanukkah mean and represent today? Because we talked about the historical significance of it. And you also talked about putting the menorah candles in the window. So you're lighting the world today. So talk a little bit more about lighting the world today. I think there's so much darkness, not only literal darkness. It's interesting that this holiday comes in the time of the shortest days of the month. You know, it's very, very dark here by 4.30, 4.45. So we need to light up the world. And with all that is going on in today's world, especially, it takes a lot of courage to bring light and to bring hope and to bring prayer. And I think that the symbolism of bringing the candles into the window, we had a problem with that because when people saw that Jews were living in these homes, there were times of trouble, anti-Semitism. It takes courage to do this. And in the darkest times, we have to continue to bring the lights and create more and more light, warmth, love, harmony, And when we talk about being a light unto the nations, it's not because we want to be snobby about it. We want to be an example of of goodness and love. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. So I know that a part of the celebration of Hanukkah always certainly would include some music. And the two of you are musicians and you have agreed to share with us a beautiful musical interlude that also represents Hanukkah. So let's actually do that. Let's play some music from Hanukkah as well. Sounds great. beautiful song. I absolutely loved hearing about it. And I really liked the part where it talks about, you know, there are times in our lives when our own strength really does fail us. And what's great is that there is the rock of ages. There is the God who is the shelter in the storm. And that's where our strength comes from. So thank you for singing that and for just bringing that again to our awareness that We have strength beyond just ourselves. And so I want you to think about that for a minute and to think about the times that we're in. It's 2020. This has been a very difficult year that people have gone through. And so this holiday of Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights, as it's often called, it seems to me it's even more meaningful today because of the darkness of this year and a lot of the losses and things that people have gone through. So what would you say to people that reminds them about the shelter in God, the rock of ages, and the strength beyond ourselves? What else would you add to that? I know that for me, this year has been challenging, of course, like everybody else. But what I found has helped me is actually giving more than I would do in the past. I volunteer more. I give out more than I receive. I know that Hanukkah is a holiday where so many kids want lots of presents. And in our own family, we struggle with that with our grandchildren, that they have so much. And when they're asked what they want, they don't have any more wants. And that's a beautiful thing. And they have created a whole network of donating food, time. They make blessing bags that have 
hand warmers and socks and toothbrush and toothpaste, granola bars, protein bars, and they drive through their community in Columbus. And when they see someone in need, they stop the car, they open the window and they offer them these blessing bags. And I've started volunteering this year, bringing bags of food to seniors who can't get out, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, uh, over a thousand of bags that we, we pass out every week. It really helps make this world a better place. Jews believe in tikkun olam, which means repairing the world. And it is our job. It is our job to continue to work hand in hand and be a partner with God repairing this world. That's why we break the glass at the wedding. It reminds us that the world is broken and it's our job to put it back together. So I take that very seriously every day, but especially this year when we see food lines and people in so much need that it really makes me feel good to know that we're privileged enough to be able to continue to do more and more and more and keep that light burning. You know, I also would like to add one more thing to, to what Laurel said on a personal level, but from a business perspective, I've seen so much struggle, yet so much hope for people especially with more time on their hand to not know what to do with. So I call it also a year of major adjustment where people had to adjust their perspective, their value system, their belief, and really think about how do we adjust not only what it is that we do, but how we conduct business, how we help reach out to people. This was the year also where technology, from my perspective, has been a huge beneficiary to all of us to be able to reach out to people all over the world, whether family at a special holiday time or clients to be able to reach out to them. And the time that was all of a sudden given to us is almost a gift to say, how can we reinvent ourselves? So both myself, Laurel, our family, and many of my clients and friends have taken the time to reinvent their thinking, to reinvent what it is that they do. And with the utmost thinking of how do we impact the world? How do we make it a better place? And hopefully 2021 will become that year for us to be able to move from this darkness. You know, I really love something about what both of you have said. Chad, you're talking about this being the year of reinvention and thinking differently. And you also talked about using technology to really facilitate the ongoing connection and work that people are doing. And Laurel, something you said that I think is really profound for today's time, which is this. Sometimes we will get, I would say, more depressed staying at home, just focused on ourselves. And so really part of the answer is look outside, see where there's another need and where you can speak into that or physically do something to help someone else. And even if you have, I would say, even one piece of bread, you can share a piece of that with someone else. And so that's really just a, a powerful way to think about how to celebrate Hanukkah in these dark times of 2020, and we can still share and we can still love other people. Thank you for saying that. So how can people reach you? How can they get a hold of you after this time if they wanted to stay in touch? Well, the easiest way to reach Laurel is to go to her website, laurelbar.com, L-A-U-R-E-L-B-A-R-R.com. We've been fortunate, we being my company, we've been fortunate to actually be behind the uh, invention and creation of Laurel Web Presence website. So laurelbar.com. As far as for us, the Chad Bar Group, T-H-E, Chad Bar, C-H-A-D-B-A-R-R group.com is uh, access to our web presence and our website. And the contact form is right there. And that will be probably the easiest way to reach out to us. 
Okay, wonderful. And Laurel, I hope you have some fabulous music on your website as well. I do. Okay, wonderful. That's phenomenal. And Chad, you mentioned that the Chad Bar Group is kind of like the brains behind Laurel's website. And I want to say also that the Chad Bar Group is the brains behind my website, transleadership.com. And Chad, you are the producer for the Voice of Leadership podcast. So for those of you out there who don't know, someone who's normally behind the scenes is today in front <laughs> so and visiting with us in this way. So thank you, Chad, for that and for being here and for doing the work that you do to make sure that our digital presence is where we want it to be as well. Thank you, Karen, for saying that it's not only my amazing fulfillment in life, but it's my calling to be able to help others pull out of them the amazing content, the amazing wisdom that's sitting inside their heads and being able to manifest it out there in a variety of different media formats, whether it's podcasts or videos. And the last thing I want to say, it's much easier being the producer when I help you produce others versus sitting here and producing both the segment as we are recording it together. So anyway, uh, it's easier. I thought it was a piece of cake. Yeah, Chad, you're doing double duty today. So thank you so much for that agility and flexibility that you just talked about, as a matter of fact. So as we're winding up today, what words of wisdom do you want to leave from my audience of executive business leaders? There are people out there who are running significant businesses and companies and organizations, and they're just coming off of this 2020 year and looking forward to 2021. So what words of wisdom would you like to leave for them? A great question. I've come to realize, not only I've been fortunate to work with some amazing organization and thought leaders like you, but what I've come to realize, and maybe even through this presentation we're doing right now, that sometimes it takes the gift that we were given early in our life such as in my situation, law situation, the music. And then the gift turned into technology where I created the software company. And then the software company evolved itself into a web strategy and implementation kind, kind of company. So going from using into software, into web, into technology has allowed me to leverage every aspect of what I learned early in my career. But today, what I've come to realize is that the ability to not only bring the skills and the wisdom that we've accumulated over the years, but being able to tap into some of the early experiences and bring it all together, music, technology, production, as we are doing today. So my advice will be for others to look into what are the gifts have they had in their early life and throughout their life they could potentially leverage now in their business, now in their lives to make a better and bigger impact. Great. And Lauren, what would you add? Well, music is universal. Even if you don't understand the words, you can feel it when it's being sung or played. And I know that when I work with very senior dementia patients, that's the last thing that goes for them. You can sing a song and they'll just remember it, even if they can't speak anymore or feed themselves. So we are all connected. Each one of us is connected to the next person, no matter where they are in this world. And it truly is our job to continue to stay connected, to reach out, to bring light, to bring hope, and to make this world a better place. So I hope that will continue in 2021 and way beyond for the future of our civilization, for our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. That would be my hope. Thank you both. Thank you so much, Chad and Laurel, for being here with me today to celebrate a happy Hanukkah. 
And I want to say to the Voice of Leadership audience and to Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership audience as well, happy Hanukkah to you. And remember, as Rabbi Hillel said, the light is increasing. Our God is a God of abundance. And we are here to think about and love each other. As Laurel says, we're all connected. So take time, look around, see what someone else might need. See how you can bring the light to them in this Hanukkah season. And as Chad even said earlier, we are all bringing gifts that God has given us from an early age. So take those gifts, add to them now, and make beautiful music the universal language of the world, as Laurel said today. And as I said in my book, you are the instrument of your leadership. So go out and play your great music. As an executive business leader, you have many difficult decisions to make every single day. And it's important to think about how do you develop your people? How do you launch and develop high-performance teams? And how do you create a culture that wins every time? If you would like to take a look at your organization and to talk about the wisdom and guidance that would propel you to create a best place to work and also competitive advantage, then I invite you to apply for a consultation to work with me. Go to my website, www.transleadership.com, go to the services page, and under organizational consultation, you will see a tab that says, contact us. That's where you request a consultation. So if you are an executive business leader in a medium to large size company, then I look forward to receiving your application and having a conversation with you. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.